Are we recording? <laughs> oh yeah! It's like <laughs> a year from now. <laughs> Macho. Oh man, that's Vincy. I like that my kids know that I'm healthy and strong and fit, and that their mom is healthy and strong and fit. Like, okay, I can still get better without having to do a max effort every single day. Smashing yourself on the roller for uh, an hour, right? you're good by the next day as long as you had a sandwich and a net. Okay, today's episode, we're going to talk about cueing um, and how we do that with different types of athletes and or different types of clients. Uh, we're going to come at it from three main points today. We're going to, I guess, first discuss um, probably just some basic, maybe some basic ideas that we have in our, our head as to how you would um, cue someone. So again, a cue, you're just trying to, you're trying to give someone f- feedback that's going to be helpful and it's going to be somewhat of a reminder or it's going to prompt them to do something you're wanting them to do with a movement or to do it a certain way. So we'll, we'll talk about that in terms of what we would do for beginners versus someone's like someone's an intermediate or someone's an advanced on that specific movement. Um, and then we'll talk about how actionable those cues need to be. And then um, we'll talk about like how you would I guess kind of like how it works in act in like coaching an actual event or a, like a test or someone in a competition. And obviously there'll be lots of overlap with, there'll be lots of overlap with all these categories and we might be repeating ourselves, but that's fine. You can always fast forward. <laughs> okay. Um, so with regards to beginners, uh, I guess a couple of things to think about is that when you're just in like, and just so we're all clear on beginners. So, we're going to talk real beginner. We're going to talk about someone who uh, maybe two or three weeks ago learned how to do a deadlift at 55, 65 pounds. Um, someone who just who just moved past squatting from a box. So now they can do, they understand how to squat and keep their body, keep their weight over their foot and squat down and come back up. They now understand how to do a lunge. Um, and maybe we're going to talk about the beginners at that level. So you can follow along with us. So we're not talking about people that are not like that are just not that good at handstand walks. We're talking way before that. Um, so what would you say? Um, like, what's some really important things? Like, or what's some things you th- you tell people to think about? Uh, for example, on a deadlift, um, or or it makes almost I guess not not just deadlift, but almost any movement when they're at that level. Like, what's some type? Like, what's some common themes? or common ways of speaking, you usually uh, usually talk to people like that. Like some basic stuff, like how many, like do you provide lots of discussion? Is it just really small bits of information? Um, are you talking about focusing on a whole movement? Do you tell them to focus on certain muscle groups? Do you, you know what I mean? Like for, for a beginner, just to start it off, I guess. For most people, uh, for me, I usually show people how to do the deadlift the way I want them to do it and I let them do it a lot of times and I just kind of give them very slight touches like literally uh, like I'll actually like move them around so a physical touch might be a great cue for these people like to help, help them like move them to the position you want them to feel um, but more than anything I feel like the cueing is is more about just allowing them to execute pretty good reps and get more experience at kind of doing it sort of right before it just rounds itself out into being pretty good. 
as opposed to trying to overly complicate the thing because they're not at a stage to understand it. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you have an example of that? Well, yeah, beginners, I find that visual cues and tactile cues, like you're saying, demonstrate and then physically put them in a position is very, very effective because it's easy to mimic. That's the that's the best thing because most beginners won't be able to conceptually understand the movement, but they can replicate a feeling or mimic something they see. So those those are original exposures to those types of cues help move the idea of this whole entire movement. It's like this is brand new to constituent parts. So you're doing A mm-hmm. to B to C. Mm-hmm. And that's really effective when you start talking with the beginners. Yeah, I was just going to say that <clears throat> in the, like in a great example of that is with a deadlift, you know, where obviously like you're, you sh- like Mike said, you show them the movement its entirety and then you allow them to do it, but you try and reinforce very simply over a variety, you know, you know, maybe three or four various steps. Okay, so now you're going to, I want you to tighten up your abdomen. I want you to take air into it. Now I want you to hinge over and grab the bar like I showed you. Now I want you to tighten up your back. And I want you to drive your feet into the floor and lift the bar straight up. Yeah. So, something like that, right? Where it's like, and I want you to do it in those steps every time and set up the exact same way every time. But the cues are simple and you're just trying to create repetition so that it, they approach that each rep the same every single time. Yeah, I think the, what, uh, yeah, it's good. I think what Jason was saying, a con- like it's a very common thing people do is visual cues. So, I'll show you what I want you to do, and now you show me how to do it. Okay, and then you go from there. So that's usually a really great way to do it, specifically with squatting. Like, look, showing, like, this is what I mean by a squat, looks like this. This is what I mean by a deadlift. A uh, really common one is like to show people the difference between like a Romanian deadlift or a semi stiff like a deadlift, whatever people call it, and a deadlift. Like, they need a, they need a real visual for that to go, oh, that is somewhat different. Um, but just kind of get like the real the real gross categories to go like it's a it's like to make sure um, that like, the cueing you're giving is not overly complex and a simple and I guess an example of that would be like okay so when you're deadlifting make sure you really like you tighten up your lats um, like again if someone's like I don't know what you're talking about or they would just go I don't know how to do that. And then you might spend time showing them how to do that, but why would you do that? Like again, because you got to consider the scenario. If they're really beginner at it, they shouldn't be going very heavy on the movement. So it should be more about just kind of getting it sort of right. And over time, you just have to allow people to organize and self-organize and get it correct. Right? They'll just they'll just make their way into doing the movement sort of right, and you just kind of want to nudge them in the right direction all the time. To kind of keep them in like within the limits of acceptability on the movement and then over time the movement will just kind of get really like get good it'll just get smoother it'll get nicer um most I, of the most beginner cues are those gross movement cues they yeah. have to be yeah send your hips back and the, and kind of exaggeration and you just cues. say it in like even that cue send your hips back yeah. you might have to say that yeah. 10 different ways the other aspect is exaggeration so yeah. you're going to get people, you're like something as simple as beginners. You're telling them to keep their weight in their heels. Yeah, exactly. And Good it's point. like, that's not where you put your weight when you're doing a squat, but it's what you're trying to get someone to do to yeah. like, you're moving, you're telling them to do something that's completely 
on the far end of the scale of something that you should do just to get them to move slightly towards yeah. it. Another, yeah, a great example of that obviously with squatting. Another one I usually, like if you introduce push pressing to people initially, I always tell them, I, I, tr- I tell them to do it somewhat like almost like a little squat. Like to almost, I was like, you're going to sit your bum back and you're going to keep your heels down. And they don't do that, but at least they keep their heels down. Um, because if you just most like a lot of times they just show them the down and up and they just go you know they dip down their hips go forward their knees go forward they're on their toes mm-hmm. they're like yeah like that and I just look at them and go eh, no <laughs> um, but that's something I used to do years ago we're thinking uh, like that was the right way to do it but yeah it's a great point right is to um, to exaggerate what you're asking them to do because you're trying to get them to go in that direction and again it's all with the overlying idea that repetition and uh, appropriate repetition is going to get you what you want because they're going to start understanding and learning or you're hoping that's going to happen oh you're starting to try to take things from conscious they're just focused on every single piece of the movement and then do it so often that it slowly becomes unconscious and then you can refine but and they're even unaware of what they're doing right they're very conscious of the moon, but they don't know what they're doing. That's the same thing as driving. Yeah. When you're driving, you're unaware of 90% of what you're doing. You really are. You're listening to a podcast and be like, that's yeah. a really interesting point, yeah. while changing lanes and checking your shoulder. And, and texting. And texting, yeah. Same time. <laughs> and drinking coffee. But, but the fact that you're driving 60 kilometers an hour through traffic is completely unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, like, maybe that's a little, that's a, a really quick, um, a quick way of discussing the beginner level stuff and again this is not meant to be the all encapsulating uh perfect discussion but just to make sure you understand you have to talk to you have to talk to beginners uh with movements um as if they never done them because they've never done them um and it's always it's the curse of knowledge where you've done them for so many times it's hard you can't remember what it's like to not know it and that's a real challenge um, so I would say the, the real, I guess what I usually do is I, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in favor of allowing people to work within an acceptable range of uh, movement and then slowly nudging them between the margins of what I deem acceptable and allowing them over time to understand and then for that movement to then solidify and kind of stabilize in its ability. Uh, and whatever you need to say to people to get that to happen is what you want. But generally you want to keep it really low complexity uh, tactile coaching is really helpful. Exaggerating cues, like for example, like again, just to go back through this again, like pull your toes up on your squat. You would never do that. But unless people understand what it's like to not have their toes in the ground and to feel their heels, they may never ever do it. They might think they have their heels down, but they might always just push their toes. And there's other ways of, of, of exaggerating that. You're like, okay, stand on the edge of these plates with your toes off. So now you can't put your toes down. That's not, that's not what you want to do, um, but with beginners, you're just trying to get the idea of you need to feel these certain things before we move on. Um, like, for example, if people can't do air squats even remotely decent, why would you add weight to it? Why would you do thrusters? Why would you do wall balls? If they can't do air squats, they're not doing wall balls. Okay, okay so then I guess kind of as you go along, um, that's when you can start like the movement, the, the individual themselves kind of have, they have them, they, they've, they can do the movement. Um, you know, they, they can do it consistently. Well, I guess it'd be a good way to describe it. Right. If you know, you can almost talk about almost any movement now, like they're, they can do, they can do toes to bar in isolation. Um, and they can do them consistently. Well, like if you tell them to do 
three or four or five toasted bar per minute for three or four or five minutes, they'll generally all look the same, right? Um, as a, and then, but then where the limits for these types of people would be is when you start adding it into 10 rounds for time of five toaster bar, five burpees, then their toaster bar, they no longer can maintain the movement. It starts changing and it becomes very erratic. That's generally what you're going to see with in this type of scenario, right? Same type of thing where the thrusters, they might be walking all over the place. Overhead squats, they might be walking all over the place. Double unders, they'll be missing every, like every 20th rep when they're tired, that type of stuff. Um, the way you have to talk to these people is 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 different than how you're going to talk to a person who's a beginner, because obviously people who are intermediates have a lot more miles under their belt uh, in terms of experience, um, and then you have to recognize that. So how are we going to discuss this to fit in between the beginner and the advanced athlete? I think it comes down to how much of the movement is unconscious. I get, well, let's just go from the beginning. So the upgrades from the beginner will be, you can start getting specific. Oh, yeah, right? definitely. So let's just, so let's use an example. So <clears throat> with, like, with, uh, like, let's just say someone's doing, um, like, well, yeah, so you have someone who's just a beginner doing, uh, like, they're just learning a beginner. They're learning how to do um, a, some form of a hang power snatch. What's something you would tell, like, uh, someone who's an intermediate level of performing the movement. So, for example, like maybe Mike or Liz, or maybe Liz. Sorry, Mike. Um, <laughs> um, versus someone who's never done it before. Like, th think about what you're telling them. Yeah, so I just think Liz, for example, she'll cut her extension short. Mm -hmm. So, like, Liz, you got to finish your jump. Mm -hmm. you got to extend your hip. She's like, okay, got it. I didn't do it that time? I'm like, no, you didn't. She's like, okay. So just think about jumping and getting the crown of your head to the ceiling. Mm -hmm. be like, okay, next rep, boom, got it. Whereas a beginner, I wouldn't say, think about getting the crown on your head to the ceiling. I would say... They might tip over. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? I would say probably something along the lines of, you're going to hinge and bring the bar down to your knee, and then all I want you to think about doing is jumping with the barbell and pulling it to your shoulders. That's it. So just hinge your knee and jump with the barbell. Yeah. Because it's got to be really simple. Yeah. And they've never done it. So... The cueing has to be very simple, and if that cue doesn't work, then I find another one. Yeah. And if that cue doesn't work, then I find another one. So one of the major things is obviously you can be more specific. Yeah. You can start talking about the body and what you want. The, like, for example, uh, in the hang with a beginner, okay, make sure you like set your wrist this way, long arms, this shoulders, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what am I doing again? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what movement is this? Yeah. Right? Whereas, again, for Liz, you might just tell her, okay, Liz, in the next rep, make sure you tighten your shoulders a bit more to get the bar a bit higher so that when it comes up it's whatever it's going to be better for you and she might be able to just integrate that immediately into what she does and it's great mm -hmm. whereas some people uh, some beginners again you tell them that and then it messes with the actual motor pattern because you're like okay that wasn't good because now you're thinking about something else and it's screwed everything up because that's how like that's how unstable that skill is in terms of its its ability to fit within the lines of what you're looking for and the lines of acceptability, I guess we could say. Mm -hmm. So you can add more complexity um, to the cueing, to the feedback, and you can also add, um, yeah, I guess also more complexity more to the feedback, and you can start talking a bit more um, about, like a bit more abstract, I guess, or a bit more about like certain parts of the body that you want people to feel uh, while they're doing the movement potentially. Um, 
I guess I guess I guess that was a good example. Like even like squeezing the shoulder blades might be helpful with snatching or something. Um, so I, I think of like toes bar as a good example. If you're trying to teach yeah. someone how to do toes bar initially, like Jason said, I want you to lean back and I want you to kick your feet up and try and hit the bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas like someone who has the skill, but like you were talking about potentially is you know it's not consistent all the time. You can be like you gotta you gotta stay longer in your kip so you stay tighter so you can generate more power. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, am I bending my knees? You're like, yes, you're bending your knees too much because they, like they they get it right. So just a cue like that: stay mm-hmm. longer in your kip, stay tighter. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Whereas with a beginner, you can't do that. It is challenging like, though. You're like, what do you mean? Lo- what do you mean longer in my kip? So I, t- <laughs> I got to stay tighter. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Like that obviously is not going to work for a beginner, right? Whereas the cue that Jason had mentioned earlier, just like lean back and kick your feet up to the bar. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to try and do that. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what they have to do, and they have to focus on doing that over and over and over again. Like you said, just repeat that and repeat that and repeat that. I think the biggest difference is with a beginner, nothing is unconscious, so you're giving them sequential cues that they're focused on for each part of the movement. So they do this part, this part, this part, and they have to do it over and over and over. With a intermediate person, they have they have the movement written, and then you're just trying to get them to focus on one part of it to make that one part of it better and it's very and it's more specific mm-hmm. to the to the, like it's not just teaching them the whole movement it's teaching them to be better at a specific part of the movement and that's where you get um a little bit more action well actionable specific cues um with that person it's 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 very like it's a very abstract thing to talk about, yeah. though. Even try, like trying to say what you say to people. Yeah, and then everyone's gonna be different because, yeah. like, Kelsey's an engineer. <laughs> She's gonna think of how she lifts much different than someone else who does mm-hmm. goes by feel. So yeah. how their brain works, how they communicate yeah. is just very, very different. Yeah, I think that's a good point too, right? When again, that's another that's another great example uh, to say is that a difference between beginner and intermediate is that generally with a beginner, you might have to cue every single part of the movement, or might have to potentially help them with every single part, and you're just going, okay, well, we're going to start with this part while the other parts are wrong, but we just got to start here. Like uh, this is what we got to do. So like maybe with a Romanian deadlift or a deadlift, we might just ensure. All right, well, they're bending their knees properly, their heels on the ground, but their butt's too low or the butt's too high. It's like, but no, it's okay. We'll work through that. We'll get through here. You got the bait. You got part one down, and we got the other three parts that you're not doing great, but it's okay. But like you're saying, yes, with the intermediate, most often they're they're pretty close to most of the way there with the movement or that specific movement, um, and you're not you you can almost forget about certain aspects of the movement. Like they understand what this means. They understand this. It's kind of they're just going to do it. They're just missing certain, you, I guess usually just certain aspects of it. It's like on a ring muscle up, their backswing might be perfect. Their fall through might be great. They might be, have good timing, but they might just be doing one little thing wrong at the top potentially or with a snatch or with a clean or a jerk or whatever. Um, I guess we should clarify as well that when we say there, there are obviously people that are beginners, and I did say in the beginning we're talking about certain types of beginners, um, and that's what we're talking about, a beginner level movement is someone who's really really inefficient at that movement but you can also think about it someone who's advanced that does or someone who's real great that ends up having to learn a really novel thing they almost immediately step back into beginner uh beginner realm with a movement so it, it, it can't too. think of it that way it, 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 it that does happen but again we don't want to want to make it too confusing yeah but that's an appropriate way to approach every new movement is like yep. go back mm-hmm. yeah um 
and while we're on that topic, it's always good, which we talk about even with training, right, is that acceptable training designs for people that are mastery include training designs for beginners. So people who are master level in fitness, they have everything great. What's wrong with them doing proper air squats in their warm-up? There's nothing wrong with that, right? And then and then they just, the, and then, they just and spend then, minutes there yeah. instead of weeks. and then the end of, yeah they spend time working on air squats and lunges because they want to make sure they're perfect at them and then the end of their session they're maxing out a snatch whereas the beginner never gets past the air squat and the walking lunges right so people can understand that like the the training the training options for mastery goes from goes from beginner level options up to as novel as advanced you can think and those are acceptable. Um, acceptable ideas but for the beginner it never stretches past beginner and it's even intermediate it goes beginner intermediate it doesn't stretch past there you've got to try to make people progress past that level that comes with time and training um so as we get to the advanced stage what really changes now what's the upgrade now like you and i would say just to continue on what jason was saying usually there's way less wrong with the movement um but now if there is something wrong with the movement still, it's probably not going anywhere. That's another thing. Like if there's certain some certain things being done with a movement, it's almost not it's less likely it's gonna change. If they've been trying to change it for a long time and it's just not changing. Um the, yeah, and, and and they've but that being said, they've progressed a long way in the movement the, the on its own. They may not you, you may not you may just almost need to leave it alone. And, yeah. Like a good example of that is um, I always think back to like the muscle up biathlon and watching Camille. I think it was in that event with Camille. And I think she did the muscle ups on Broken maybe in 2014 games, was it? Yeah, 2014 games. And uh, I believe she was doing her, I believe she was watching her backswing and she just really arches a lot, right? She she bent her knees a lot and her muscle ups. It wasn't a really smooth backswing. What are you supposed to tell her? She did them on Broken. Like she's obviously as good as you could get at ring muscle ups for the sport at that time. So what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could, She, um, sh- maybe she has, cl- maybe they've looked different over the years and they've changed, but why? Like, what's the deal? She did, I'm pretty sure she did 15, 12, 9 unbroken with running. So, and she's not winning that year. So she's obviously somewhat decent at ring muscle ups. But that's an example of where there's an, there's an obvious flaw in the movement, um, but you almost just need to ignore it because there's other things that you need to focus on potentially. But that's not always the case, right? Sometimes there are, not sometimes, there's lots of times where people are quite advanced in movements and they, they just never maybe never thought of it a certain way and they need to think of it a certain way and they and it's a simple change and it, and it fixes their movement. Anyone have an example like that? Of someone who's really good at something and they had to learn something a different way that then progressed them past where they're at? I have a good example. Why don't you share it? Well, a good example is Alex Parker. Um, for a long time, she was she stuck with the false grip muscle up. She might say it was wasn't false grip. Maybe it's like what do, what do people call it? like semi false grip? And she might say that. Um, anyway, yeah. So she stuck with that for a long time, and uh, I guess she, you know she. I, I'll just give her all the credit. She just uh, she realized that it wasn't going to work any longer and obviously it uh it probably sped it up because she's with meredith and then she can just watch meredith knock out muscle ups like <laughs> as if they're nothing 
Um, and so it, I guess that kind of spurred her to want to fix them even faster. So a, a simp- like an example of that is that someone who's at a very high level, that being Alex, she adjusted her movement and she found she grips the bar grips the rings differently and she swings differently now, and her movement has moved moved to another level, but she had to change something about it to get there, right? Which is a, that's a very good thing to do. So I guess you could say that she moved from intermediate level to advanced level, but. What she had to change or what, what she needed help with was then how does she change her swing now that she has changed her grip? Um, yeah, it's just it's a different way you're going to have to talk to someone about the movement. And it would probably be better to ask her about that because she, she takes ownership of all that stuff, which is why she's so good. Um, but do you, any of you guys have an example of, of someone doing something like that, changing something what they're doing, and then how you would talk to an athlete like that? The one that I can think of is <clears throat> talking to Matt Brady about his jerk grip width when he's doing cleaning jerks. So he was always very narrow, and he can get away with it because he has pretty good mobility through his shoulders. But I just thought that he could probably have a stronger jerk position and a stronger overhead position mm-hmm. if he moved his hands out at the top of his yeah. cleaning jerk. So we've been working on that in the last few weeks. And yeah. I don't have the luxury of seeing him every day, but he sends me videos periodically, and I think it's probably a better position for him. Yeah. To readjust, just to get into a, into a better position mm-hmm. for his uh, for his split jerk. Yeah. Clean. So just think of that though, that wording, and think of talking to someone who just learned how to split jerks like that. Like we want to make sure you move your hands out, so we increase your the strength of your front rack position. So and you're like, what the hell are you talking about? You're like, mm-hmm. I don't. Even, cause, and the thing is, you don't even know what's right. They don't know what's right. Yeah. You're gonna have to adjust that as th- time goes on. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's like let's kind of start here, and it might not be right. Like yeah, maybe it's better the way it was, right? Exactly. But I mean, with the beginner, you're just you're not going to know what's the right place. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like all these people should be, if they're good athletes and good competitors, or just even good people that are good at fitness, they should they'll end up taking ownership of the movements on their own, and they're going to kind of make make it into their own. Where maybe you started them wider with the grip, and over the course of three or four years, they're like, you know what, I actually like my hands a little wider. I just feel better with it. You're like, great. You came up with that on your own. That's mm-hmm. perfect. That's what we want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just the idea about how you communicate with these people. Um, but so with the, uh, I guess one of the one of the real big things is you can almost you, which we were talking about for earlier, but you can almost cue effort now mm-hmm. a lot more. Like you can just folk like, get people not not get people riled up, but you can really tell people to literally just try harder. Like, make sure you're focusing on this, be aggressive with this, or just be really aggressive, like get amped up. That's That will help your movement because your movement is really smooth, it's really good. You just need to be more fired up to do it. Must and you'll, <laughs> good thing Tom doesn't have a mic right now. Um, yeah, because then that, that, that in and of itself, that like, um, that arousal state should help them, right? When you have the movement at that level versus even just go back to the intermediate level, if you really fire them up, that for the right person, it might help them. It might, or it might implode them. Mm-hmm. It might think might make things way worse if there's a lot of pressure, not a lot of pressure, but just a lot of excitement. Well, even just the DT qualifier for Cam West, when you were telling Madison, get your chest down faster so you can get over the bar faster. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll start moving faster. Yeah, right. So that, I guess I guess like that's Madison thinks she's in phase one, so. <laughs> We did say that. So that's, that's that's not good. It's like so now we're cueing her as a beginner. <laughs> Way to go, Scott! Taking shots at her. 
Um, no, but I just mean in terms of <laughs> getting her to move faster. Yeah. Yeah, but that's yeah. It's I'm, I'm it, it is a tough conversation, right? That's what I mean. It's a tough conversation to get it to make it exact because there's so, so many times you just go back to going okay, um, like Madison obviously is advanced, but like I need to talk to her like an intermediate in this case. Like I don't need to tell her to speed up. I need to tell her like, she changed the movement right now. Like make sure you get your chest down quick. Oh yeah, okay. And then once she gets that, then you go back to coaching her like like she is. Speed up, move, get over. Like like turn faster, get down quicker. Don't let go of the bar. Breathe right now. Like that's fine. But you can't coach a beginner like that because they don't have a like. Mm-hmm. That's just that's not effective for them. You t- coach the beginner like, okay, put the bar down. Okay, take another five or six seconds. Wait, wait, wait. Go. Okay, now do five. Okay, put it back down. Like that. That's how you might want to help someone like that if they're doing a, an important event because you need to almost be their brain initially. Um, you have to override the brain. Yeah, you need to like help them, and then hopefully, then you could easily argue that it's not the right way to do it. It's better to let them just fail. Um, that's totally fine as well, I think. But a lot of times, you want to help. You want to show them the way, show them the way it should be, and then have them over time practice that in training on their own and go. So remember how we did that work, that event for Can West Games. That's how I want you to approach these things. Like I want you to do them methodically and make it like that. And then, but and if but if you've never shown them that's the way to do it, they're not going to know what you're talking about. Um, but again, with someone with someone at a higher level, then that's not really what you want them to do. You just give them kind of the instructions, and you let them kind of deviate and move the instructions around as they see fit, because they know what's going on. And really, you're just trying to make sure you're cueing effort and cueing the basics of like make sure you're standing up properly, like locking it out or whatever uh, on certain certain fine aspects of the movements, like. For example, the DT complex is usually the standing up the jerk, mm-hmm. standing that all the way up, um, and just making people get back on task. Like, go, you gotta go, you gotta go, just to increase the importance of it, because that will help them. That'll help them try harder. Um, so okay. there's, lot, there's lots of similarities then in the sense of how you would cue a beginner and an advanced person in the sense that the cueing is very simple, uh-huh. but with a beginner, it's more about cueing the movement. And with an advanced athlete, like you said, it's more about cueing the effort and the performance, right? Those Potentially, are the, yeah. Those are the main yeah. differences. But the cueing is very simple for both of them. Yeah, it could right? be, right? If It depends on if you're cueing them in practice or in competition, I would say. Yeah. Because if you're cueing someone to improve movement quality in practice, then you're going to be pretty complex and very, very specific because it's taken out of the context of fatigue. Sure. There's yeah, no yeah. fatigue. There shouldn't be if you're new, learning something new. And then you slowly integrate it into them trying to do that cue on their fatigue. But when you're doing that, they're in a competition or they're fatigued already. Like you go back to the original beginner cues because that's all they can mm-hmm. physically do. And then you're cueing, like Michael said, the the importance of, of what you're doing because mm-hmm. you're over. You're trying to try to override their brain because their brain's telling them to slow down, and you're going to tell them how important it is for them to speed up or keep going. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I think. Yeah, like I said, there's now we've been talking about. It, there's just a lot there. Uh, it gets really complex, uh, and just a lot to talk about. Um, but we've already been talking about this. But one of the one of the things we want to talk about is the uh, what do they what do they call it? The uh, action or oh, the actionability of the queuing or the feedback you're giving. Um, so that means like when you're providing in this, uh, I guess when you're providing help and you're coaching someone, and you're trying to ask them what to do or trying to tell them what to do. 
in terms of cueing and and coaching. Um, you well, like what you what the ultimate idea is for you to communicate with them and 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 have it be effective immediately. That's what you want, and you want it to be have them like digest what you're saying, understand it, and then be able to use it. So make it actionable. It's not always that easy. It's not always do this perfect. Look at that, great. Do this, work it. Look at that, great. It just keeps. It usually goes like do this. All right, well, uh, let's try a different way. Do this, but do it better. Okay, try this. Uh, how about this way? Like an example uh, today with Brenda Parker. Uh, by the way, the cookies were delicious, Brenda. Um, <laughs> yeah, so she's doing pull-ups on the rings um, and was trying to get her to understand how to come down from her first rep to make her second rep. And she just it wasn't clicking or she it was very inconsistent. So what I say to her is like, Brenda, uh, you should be able to see your toes on the way down. When you're coming down with the rings, you should be able to see your toes in front of you. Got it. Like instantly she's like, oh, Okay, I get that. That makes sense to me. But I was trying to tell her a thousand different ways of your feet are going to have to come forward and come up a little bit for you to come down and get into the swing the way I want you to do it. But none of that was clicking. It wasn't. She wasn't understanding what I was telling her. So on the tenth try, um, that's being generous, probably like the hundredth. I said, get your toes up. Like you should be able to. Sorry, you feel. She should be able to see your toes in front of you on the way down. And that was enough for her to go. I got it. That's it. And now it's good. She understands it now. So that's what I mean by like you're trying to provide actionable cues and you might have to go through a ton of different ones. But um, another way of thinking about it is that like you put her, put Brenda in a different situation. Brenda is, uh, she's 60? I think she's 60. Um, if I'm not, yeah, she's 60. She yeah, she's 60. She's she not 59. Yeah, yeah, she, I remember, I'm not 59 anymore. <laughs> so she's 60. Um, and on, like for example, on the rower. So she, like her ankle dorsiflexion is not fantastic. So. Like the idea of Brenda being able to keep her heels down on a rower and come forward. Uh, I don't know what, the, what do you call that position? The catch position? I don't know. Anyway, you come forward, so you're reaching forward. The handles forward. Um, like her heels aren't going to stay down on that rower. It's not going to happen. So in that case, the idea is like we're talking about cueing. When you're trying to cue someone, you're trying to provide them things they can actually do, um, and not just things to make you sound good. It's like, Brandon, make sure you keep your heels down on the rower, which is never, ever going to happen. Um, So you need to recognize that as a coach. And then you try to provide them cueing to work towards it. So it's like, Brandon, make sure you try to hinge from the hip a bit more and just shorten up how far your knees are coming forward. Okay. But in no scenario are her heels going to stay down. And if you tell her to keep her heels down, it's going to be a detriment to her rowing performance, right? Yeah. It's not going to work at all, right? Uh, it's and it, it's just not and that's a that's an easy example is the rower like that, um, but another example could be uh, like uh, it could be someone doing a handstand walk, uh, and you tell them to stop arching their back, but you know that their like their thoracic spine mobility is insufficient and like their their ability to fully uh, to get their arms stacked over their head properly, or not properly but optimally, uh, is somewhat deficient so. You can't tell them to not extend their back because it is never going to occur. It's just not going to occur. So all you can do is try to work in other ways to help them, to try to help them in other ways. And that's what I mean by, so when you say like, well, make sure you tighten up, like try to stay stacked when you're doing your handstands and this person is never going to achieve that position in their life. Okay. 
So what's the point in telling them that? Like that's that's the point. That's that's the idea in trying to recognize how to cue people effectively. You have to recognize kind of what they want, what you want them to do, but also as an adjacent, what is actually what they're able to do, which is it. It can get it's with obvious things like that, like the handstand walk or the row. These are more structural limitations that it's easier to cue that um, and easier to understand that that's just never going to happen. But there's much I, I would before, we haven't gotten into it, but. I would say there's a lot of examples where it's not so cut and dry like that. And even though you try to keep telling them how to do it, and that's what I was getting at earlier, where sometimes as the athlete advances to an advanced stage, you're just not going to be able to fix the problem. So that, like whatever that problem is, could just be one of those things. One of my pet peeves is hearing someone <laughs> tell someone what the fault is. Like It's like you're doing something wrong. But the, the cue is how to fix what's yeah. wrong. And it's like, that's how you cue. You don't just tell them that it's like your, your weight's on your toes. It's like, okay, now how do I fix that? Because as an athlete, like realistically, you're, you're like, you don't know, especially a beginner or intermediate or even, even an advanced in, in the heat of, of, a, of a test or something like that. Like you, you can't tell them they're doing something wrong. You have to tell them how to fix something because mm-hmm. that's how you create an actionable cue. You give them an action to do. Well, not, not point it's out no a fault. Di- yeah, it's no different than what you would do. An action not to do. If yeah, yeah if they're doing like uh, if the, if you have some <clears throat> athlete that's like or whatever you want to call them, someone that competes, um, and they're <laughs> um, competitor. Sure, call them competitor. Uh, and they're doing a competition. Uh, you're, what you're trying to cue is what you want them to do, right? You're not cueing what they're doing wrong. Like, what kind of a psycho would do that? <laughs> So there's, there's a lot more of it great. out there than you think, man. You just failed that rep. It's like, no shit. <laughs> I know I failed. What do I have to do to fix it? Right. So that that, that that's like I think that's where competitions are great in that way is because it, you're always working towards performance and it's an objective measure and you want the best score. But it almost should apply. It should basically be the same thing to how you coach them in training. Right. You're trying to move them towards that objective improvement. So in competition, you would never just point out what they're doing wrong. Um, because you don't have time, all you can really do is make sure you go. This is you need to try to do this, do this, do this, and then because that's going to hopefully fix the problem. Uh, in training setting, you could say this is what I want you to do because you're doing this, this, and this. But we want you to do this, this, this. Okay. In competition, you don't you don't have time for that. You got to just you got to talk to them what you want them to do. Which kind of just leads into the last thing I want to talk about is which you've already been discussing the entire time. Like I said, <laughs> it's going to be blended all over the place, but. How you talk to these people while they're doing something really important. So it could be while they're doing a competition, they could be doing an important event for them, um, or something like that. So again, uh, when you have like maybe someone who's really new to doing um, some type of fitness test or whatever, you're generally you're generally trying to cue them on the process. You want to you want to cue certain aspects of the process, certain aspects of the movement. Uh, and that's basically like that's as, as as simple as we can make it. Obviously, if they're in a if they're in a competition and they're doing something like that, you can't have tactical tactile coaching because uh, I don't think that's allowed. Unless they're in your yeah, unless you're in your gym and you can kind of help them out what you're doing. Um, but again, like just to really make it simple, we have two pe- like you have two people doing. Um, you could have two people doing Fran, for example, and that's one of the events. Twenty one fifteen eight. 
thruster <laughs> <laughs> thruster pull-ups um again with the person who's advanced and they you know that they know how to do thrusters when they're tired and their thrusters movement their thruster movement's great their pull-ups are great uh, you could just be like do, yelling at certain things that you might know about them like on the round of 15 pull-ups you might go make sure you relax on the bar like maybe they're not gripping the bar to death because you know the round of nine pull-ups might be really hard for them so just kind of reminding them don't grip the bar too tight just relax smooth smooth just yell that so maybe they don't feel like they have to rush um, or you might be yelling like cueing them with the thruster to down fast down fast because that's might something a habit they might get into they might just you know receive the bar too slow and not go down fast enough and they don't need to do that because they're fit enough to handle that intensity so they should need to stop doing that um so you're trying to you're trying to find ways to make them speed up and maximize their pace with someone who's a, a who's who's like very new to this and is not going to be anywhere near doing the stuff unbroken you're you're basically telling them how to do the workout right away okay so i want you to do uh seven thrusters and rest 10 seconds and then seven thrusters and rest 10 seconds and seven thrusters and then we're going to do sets of three pull-ups at a time and then you're going to rest about 10 to 15 seconds between sets that's what we're going to try to plan to do okay and then for the round of 15 we're going to try to do five 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 on the on the thrusters and threes again on the pull-ups then we're going to try to do five and four on the nine thrusters and threes in the pull-ups okay and then you watch them go, and every set you're you're trying to just you're trying to have them fit within that margin of, of what you're looking for. Like, okay, yeah, it's good, good, okay, great, breathe, relax, good. And you're just trying to help them with the process of like, okay, make sure you lock out your elbows, keep your heels down, get your butt down low enough. On your pull-ups, it's like you're trying to just go through the basic cues of, yeah, make sure you like get your toes up when you do that initial kip and like whatever you're trying to tell them. Uh, an advanced athlete, if you, if you talk to them like that, you're going to confuse them. Like, what? Why am I thinking about my feet? Like, they shouldn't, even, they shouldn't be aware of their feet because it should just be happening. They're like, I'm doing this. Like, I don't need to think about these things because I just do them. I don't actually want, I don't want to be thinking about my feet in this movement because it's messing with me now. Like, I don't normally ever think about that. I just think about the movement as a whole. Um, yeah, that's a that's a really easy way of I guess discussing how you would talk to people about that. And then with the advanced athlete, you want you like I said, you you're trying to coach effort a lot of times. You're trying to really just make them push themselves, make them stay on task. And when it gets tough, like just be there with them and try to help them out. Uh, you might do that sometimes with beginners if it's simple enough. Like it could be burpees or biking, and you're just like, let's go, just amp this up and let's go. But yeah, it's it's less it's less common. It's got to be the right scenario. And it can't be anything that like they can screw up if you're going to coach them like that. If you've been working with an advanced athlete long enough, I mean, you have a pretty good understanding of places where they will need to be cued in a competition. And for weeks beforehand or months or years, you might have developed something very simple that you can say in the middle of it yeah. that, that can mean something to that person that brings them right back on track that has you couldn't say it to anybody else. Yeah. Like So that, that whole idea, you could tell someone like maybe they pull early with their arms and through weeks and months of training you just when you see them doing their muscle-ups you just, just to say wait and then all of a sudden their technique improves mm -hmm. and that's it's something as simple as that because mm -hmm. that's that's all they need because they know how to do the movement yeah but just giving them that little bit of reminder of what to focus on because they shouldn't be focusing on the whole movement they're focusing on their pacing the time their how like everything that's coming next but they can also lose um, consciousness of something they should be conscious of if it's something that they have been working on and it's a limiter. 
Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Anything else to add to that? We never asked Tom yet. Tom, you got any thoughts? Too late now. No. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> Says Tom. Just take shots at Matt Brady. And then, <laughs> um, I'm good. I don't need to say anything today. I said enough. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you like us, don't forget to leave us a review wherever you listen and tell some friends. This is how new people can find out about us. Make sure you follow the Instagram for updates on upcoming episodes at Spiral Out Podcast. We don't have any formal plans for topics that we're going to cover on this show. But if there's any topics that you guys want to hear more about or something that we haven't covered yet, make sure you send those questions to spiraloutpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send us a message on Instagram. I can't promise that we will cover every topic, but we will definitely read all of the messages. And last but not least, for anyone looking for coaching, make sure you head over to optimumperformancecalgary.com. I will include that link in the show notes. If you live here in Calgary, we offer personal training as well as individual design. For those that live far, we also have remote coaching available. If you're interested in attending a fitness camp or possibly hosting one at your facility, you can also find information about those there. We do not plan to cover any of the topics that are covered in the fitness camp to make sure that those stay unique. Thank you for listening. Until next time.